Okay, introducing our newest sponsor, Swim Tracks. Swim Tracks is the smartest swim specific tracker ever. It registers a ton of swim data that is translated into valuable real time insights. It tracks the three most important data points for coaches and swimmers time, heart rate, and stroke rate. You and your swimmers can now, from just one device, make sure you're training in the correct energy zones with the correct number of strokes. Visit swimtracks.com and schedule your free demo today. That's swimtracks, T R A X X.com, swimtracks.com. All right, here we go, mate. Scott's saying it. Welcome to my podcast. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Now, listen, for those that don't know you, I know you very well, but those that don't know you are the sports performance director for the Dallas Cowboys, man. That's a pretty nice title. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm thankful to be here. <laughs> we know each other by our association at Auburn University. You worked at Auburn um, as a uh, sports dietitian, nutritionist for the team, um, somebody that helped us stay on track with our performances at Auburn. Um, but before that, and just a little bit about you, tell, tell us about your background a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a little bit goes back to even just kind of my background as an athlete. I, uh, mm -hmm. I had played high school football, went to play college football at Ball State University. It was a preferred walk-on. And so didn't have to try out, but was a, was a walk-on in all other aspects of it. And um, was in the varsity weight room, um, enjoyed being around the strength coaching staff, which was really, really one. He had a GA, but kind of that guy was, was all over the place and really enjoyed that profession, I thought. And so started off in exercise science at Ball State University. Um, one year in that and actually thought the, the science was too hard uh, that I had to mm. take for that. And so I, I dropped that major act. So at that point too, I had left uh, the football team and started playing club lacrosse. And so I was out of the varsity weight room, just in the normal rec center sort of thing. And so away from that profession. So I lost interest in it. I uh, knew I enjoyed health and I liked sports. And I once about a year later read about an NFL player seeing a sports nutritionist um, getting ready for the season. And so just Googled how to become a sports nutritionist and, and came mm -hmm. across a professional website that talked about becoming a registered dietitian, getting experience in sports and those sort of things. And so um, Ball State had a dietetics program. Fortunately, I was told I'd never work in sports, but I could go ahead and do it. And because it was 98% like female and I was still a single guy, I thought it was a good <laughs> idea. Um, finished that up. Um, didn't go directly into my dietetic internship to kind of clinical training, become a registered dietitian. I went on uh, and pursued my master's degree at the University of Kentucky um, that had an emphasis in wellness and sports nutrition. While I was there, I did do my clinical training, my dietetic internship at the hospital there, uh, the Chandler Medical Center, and then tried to get experience working with athletes. And I couldn't at the University of Kentucky at that time with the policies they had in place with athletes, counseling athletes. And so I found a, an opportunity really, um, it wasn't a paid internship, it was just volunteer work with the uh, US speed skating team out in Salt Lake City, the long track team, uh, prior to the Torino Olympics. And uh, got to work with a mentor there named Nana Meyer. Um, and, uh, and she really helped me 
grow professionally. Uh, just gave me great opportunities to work with some really elite athletes and uh, spent there about three-ish months. Um, an opportunity at Michigan State came up that I applied for that was a um, kind of a dual role in academics and counseling or consulting with athletic department. And so um, I got that job and started there in 2006. Spent uh, just under four years at Michigan State in that role of, of teaching some classes, helping my uh, professor uh, or my, my boss in uh, conducting some research, and then uh, counseled athletes and, and taught teams and, and did the things that sports dietitians do in a consulting kind of role. And then uh, in 2009, uh, opportunity at Auburn opened up. And so um, really, uh, like the people I was going to be working for there, at least I thought I would, and, and that is what turned out to be the case. And uh, and spent seven years at, at Auburn University, um, helping grow that program. I was the first uh, full-time sports dietitian at Auburn in 2009, and uh, and they've got a thriving program now. And so that's an exciting thing that they've been able to continue to grow. And uh, and yeah, I'm just in my seventh season now with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow, it's a nice progression there. As you were talking, I was thinking to myself, why is it that the world's leading chefs or the majority of chefs in the world, you would think, I think of of men, honestly, I know that's a generalization, but then when you think of uh, the dietitians, uh, you know, like you, like what you said, when you enroll in the, in the course, the majority are females. So it's like in the food industry, why are they majority female over here and the majority men over here? I don't get it. Oh, that's a great question, uh, and I don't know that I could really answer it very well. I think, um, man, I, it's, a, it's a good question. I think it's just kind of how things started off and how they just kind of people have a perception of what it's supposed to be, Yeah. Um, whether it is the chef, the culinary side of things, or the, the dietitian side of things, and they just think of a, a woman walking around in, in a hospital helping educate people on a heart-healthy diet, and so it's just got to be a woman that does that. Um, and... Uh, and the chef, you know, we, we've seen enough documentaries probably to get some different thoughts on that. But um, yeah, well, listen, when, when Auburn University reached out to you, it was the first of its kind. We didn't have a set program. Listen, when I was swimming at Auburn, our nutrition plan was all based around the football team. And the football team's nutrition plan does not look like the Dallas Cowboys does today. Let me tell you that. Like back in the day, I mean, it was all fried chicken. It was just like it was. It was basically get as fat as you possibly could, and and eat the worst you could possibly eat, and that's your nutrition. And guess what? All the other sports are gonna fall in line with the football team. So, when you came in, what was the idea behind this groundbreaking idea? Now that look, we go around the universities, and everybody has. Um, sports nutritionists and dietitians and people looking after different teams. And it's just, it's a commonality now. It's a common factor in, in college sports now. But like you said, at Auburn, it was a new thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, gosh, I mean, so many different areas have, have grown in, in human performance. And I think nutrition was just one of those that came along the way. It did go from, you just got to get calories in to real functional calories of, of when, carbohydrates are going to be optimal for your training and um, the types of amino acids or proteins that are going to help you recover optimally. Those things have just um, improved with, with research, with buy-in from, from, you know, top athletes that have said, I've, I've done this and it's, it's truly helped me. And then the research perhaps kind of replicates it and, and improves that to be true. You know, I think that goes along with 
sleep uh, and performance now. It goes along with just, you know, training load. I think, again, from my uh, very novice understanding of, of swim training, I mean, you guys have pushed the limits always on on in that training load aspect of things. And, and uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, just from how things have changed from, you know, going through volume to intensity and duration and, and, and just how that has um, improved over the years from strength conditioning as well to, to what you guys do in, in, in swimming. And I just think it's just the growth of understanding in it all. Yeah, you know, back in 2010, like I said, this was kind of the birth of this. And now now we're at a place where everybody's got, you know, um, budgets and, and plans and people looking after each sport. But, you know, we're, we're only talking 12 years ago. We're not talking that long ago. So when Auburn first approached you on this or maybe you approached them or how, however it came about, what was the initial idea behind it? What was the budget? You know, like how much leeway did you have in terms of working with different teams? What was it initially? Yeah, you know, uh, when they got started, they had, to my understanding, uh, received some coaching from the person that started the program at the University of Florida uh, named Michelle Rockwell. Uh, she's kind of uh, just one of the early pioneers, especially in collegiate athletics, of, of developing programs and really having a lot of success there. Another being kind of Rob Skinner at Georgia Tech and Dave Ellis at Nebraska. Those three are the ones that I know of to really be um, the first and the ones that did it for a while um, mm. prior to um, to really any growth. And ironically, when I was reaching out to University of Utah and, and the folks at, with U.S. Speed Skating, I'd also applied to an internship at the University of Florida, which Michelle was the director, and I didn't get an interview there. So that's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, my understanding is she helped kind of consult with Auburn to help lay a foundation of what a good program could look like. And so... Um, um, Meredith Jenkins, God bless her. She really, I think, took that and, and ran with it. Uh, Jojo Petroni, the director of sports medicine, um, allowed for that vision to really grow. And so they had a, 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 a training table or a dining room, dining facility that wasn't going to be solely dedicated to athletics, but we were going to be able to really direct the menus and it would be a, a menu that focused on human performance. And so mm. general students could come in and, and eat from that meal as well, but with that understanding. And so that was a big part of it, coming in and helping um, the food service company that was running it develop menus, uh, work on recipes to really um, pr provide nutrition for these athletes that, depending upon when they trained, they would have the fuel they needed to, to train and recover optimally. Um, from there, it really was kind of, um, and again, when it comes to the budget, I just got to tap into the sports medicine budget at the time. There wasn't any dedicated budget to sports nutrition for the first couple of years that I was there. But um, again, Jer Jojo and Meredith allowed me to um, start bringing in graduate assistants and that grew uh, as the as the program grew. And, and I think that just, and again, that grew as the teams bought in, you know, swimming was one of those early teams that was that bought in uh, to what we could do. So I spent a lot of time with you guys, but then as basketball teams and baseball teams and, and, and football and those teams really grew in their desire to have influence from mm. a sports dietitian, we were able to add layers of, of a team in there. Uh, and so when I left, we had four graduate assistants. Um, again, I know they have three, maybe four full-time dietitians there now, and I have a performance chef there as well. So mm. again, that that's really grown exponentially. Yeah, it really, it really turned a corner in terms of the, the level of high performance, right? You know, I mean, 
these these college teams ultimately are being run as professional organizations, aren't they? You know, with um, like you said, these these dietitians. What's the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? Can you just inform me on that one? Well, Brett, you're a nutritionist, whether you want to say it or not, um, and you shouldn't. But um, I got the Halloween candy over there. I don't know how much of a nutritionist <laughs> I am right now. No, but I mean, you've you've been educated. You've you've probably read. You may have been in a conference or something where someone educated on nutrition and so you, and you eat. And so you have this understanding of how your body uh, responds to the foods that you eat with the training that you're trying to do. And so mm -hmm. there's no definition otherwise or certification to nutritionists. Now, there are some different outside organizations that have that have done credentialing for a nutritionist, but they're all very unstandardized, whereas a registered dietitian has to go through an undergrad um, program. They have to go through clinical training. Uh, I, what year are we in? 22. It's either in 23 or in 24. All registered dietitians have to have a master's degree. Um, and so there's just levels of training and education that dietitians have that a nutritionist just can't go through in, in all of those areas. Right. right uh, the biggest okay. aspect of it is a dietitian is, is trained and qualified to provide medical nutritional therapy, where a nutritionist is not. And, and, you know, whether it's GI issues, whether it's obviously eating disorders, a lot of different aspects of medical nutritional therapy get involved when working with athletes because you're, you're humans. And so you deal mm -hmm. with illness uh, like like anyone else does. Um, right. That's kind of the main difference there. Right. Let, let's talk about the, the professional side then. I mean, you're bunkered down right now in the in the Dallas stadium. Um, you said just out, outside the door is, uh, you know, there's a whole everything's going on outside the door so you're in you're in your office at, at dallas what's the difference then so in terms of the professional side of things when you come from a college setting that that is moving into the professional setting when you get to dallas what's the major differences well i mean the obvious major difference is it's one team versus 21 or so that auburn had it's it's one route of administration versus many that you deal with in college athletics mm. one head coach versus 21 head coaches uh and and so there's some positives to that for sure <laughs> um but it, you know and then i think um this is a question that comes up often and so i thought you might ask it and and what came to mind is i think um when you're dealing with athletes okay they have funds to 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 take care of themselves much better than college athletes. Mm. That's changing a lot now. Um, but their resources are, are unlimited for the most part. Mm. But you still have the, these here men that come in and they're no different than almost anyone I feel like in profession. And your opportunity or your ability to grow certainly has to deal with your competency. Can you, can you get the job done? But then I think a lot of it deals with humility. And when you are when you have a level of humility about you, you can take next steps in your growth. And, um, and I, you have maybe a higher percentage of people here that, are, that have been humbled and they're ready to grow. Um, but sometimes it takes three years. Sometimes it takes that guy that's ready for his next contract to, to realize I've got to take some next steps. And so I, whether it's a freshman in college whether it's a, a, a sixth grader that is number one in his event or whatever it is, I think um, you might believe, you know, my genes, my coaching, 
it, it's gotten me everywhere I need to go. And it has to that point perhaps, but what is the next step? And so that's what we kind of mm. talked about with, it could be nutrition, it could be sleep, it could be mental coaching and, and sports psychology that helps you break through to another level. And I just think um, that's where I guess the similarity of it is. You, you asked me the big difference and, um, and I think there's a lot of similarities in it. It's just the opportunities and the resources to, right. to help these guys is, is, is something that really uh, makes my job a lot of fun. So when they say director of sports performance, it, it is kind of all encompassing then because you're talking about food, you're talking about sleep, you're talking about recovery. Is this something that is, uh, you know, are you, are you expected to look after all of that? So my role here is certainly different than when I was at Auburn um, in that sense of, of, so when I was at University of Kentucky, uh, I guess taking a step back, when I went to Michigan State, I worked on another master's degree in exercise physiology. And so um, I saw how that athletics department worked very well with uh, athletics or uh, at least somewhat well in, in their testing of athletes and then getting that information to strength coaches or, or sport coaches to help with their training. And so I really found great value in that. And I believe Auburn has gotten to that place where they're starting to incorporate more of that. It was it was slow to come when I was there. Uh, and in across the street from our practice facility here, we have a Gatorade Sports Science Institute. And so very much an exercise physiology laboratory and, and, and scientists that can do a lot of the things that ex-phys departments and universities can do. And so they had hoped for some kind of relationship between the Cowboys and GSSI across the street. And with my background in exercise physiology, I could serve as that liaison for metabolic testing. We do sweat testing. Um, we do other biomarker type testing for, for stress, illness, and recovery. And so I am that kind of point person. I have been the main sort of educator on sleep and performance for the guys. And so that's where this title is different than sports dietitian or director of sports performance. While 90% of what I do, if not greater, revolves around nutrition and, and our culinary team here and, and, and those aspects of it, I do get to work outside of the very typical um, dietitian type title mm. and role. And so that's where it is. I don't, I don't oversee our sports medicine department. They have, they are led well, they are secure. They've been in, in as a team for a long time, our strength conditioning department is under coaching. So they're under our, our football coaching staff. So I don't oversee those that some people might think with the title that I have, but it's just being able to serve in different roles that um, if I had a, a dietitian role, they may say, well, that's, that's not what the dietitian does. We'll find somebody else and, and right, right. want to be able to grow beyond that. Right. You've seen athletes embrace the process and, and embrace um, your your ideas and what you're trying to do and accomplish. Um, there's, there's obviously, I mean, we've all seen that in coaching, right? But, and, and you've seen that in college. Some of, the, some of the athletes that have come in and said, Scott, make me better. Just tell me what to do and, and show, me, show me the way. I'm sure you get that at, at Dallas. There's probably some guys in the facility that are like, just tell me what to do, man. I just want to get better. So in terms of right now, what you're doing with Dallas, if someone, if you've got someone like that, you don't have to mention names, but like, what are you doing with that athlete? What are the, what, what's the, the weekly routine look like for someone like that? Who's all in. Sure. And so much of it, as we get into the season where we're in the middle of our season right now, and um, it's very routine. And so that at this point, their routine is pretty well established. Um, not entirely, you know, but it is, these guys have, have developed a routine for the most part to help them perform 
at their best. And so it is, you know, talking through some sleep issues that they might be dealing with or um, even getting them into like, and this is where I'll, I'll just try and help build bridges. And so um, our mental coach, Chad Bowling, who, who works with the New York Yankees full-time and, and is just now uh, finished his season, uh, he works with us part-time. And so he's around quite a bit. And so if I'm talking, especially some younger guys, some new guys that um, didn't take advantage of those resources when they were in college, just learning how those aspects might help them. Um, so I, I do a lot of that. You know, it's small things too. A lot of these guys just simply didn't eat breakfast or never ate on game day. And and mm -hmm. again, the aspect of I think they got through it in that level. But, you know, so many programs, I mean, we're in November, you know, college football ends this month in the sense of their regular season. And, and we've got another six weeks to go of our regular season, let alone getting into the playoffs in that run. And so their, their longevity or duration of a season is so much shorter that they just don't understand the endurance and the recovery that's required. And so helping them understand how to prepare for a game is, is important, especially for young guys. Um, you know, if dealing with, you know, any number of our positions, but just guys that are dealing with the recovery of these games that are just so physically demanding, mm. um, we're getting into that stretch where it becomes so critical. And so um, just trying to dial in their, their daily routine where they get done with work and they're not hungry, but they, they need to make sure that, that snacks coming in, they're drinking that cherry juice, whatever it might be, that's going to help when they make it a daily habit helps that recovery just take um, steps. And so they just compound on each other so that when Sunday rolls around again, they have the fresh legs. They can they can do the work that they need to do and repeat that again for the next week. I like that. I, I like what you said there because we get, we get questions a lot of like, oh, what's the best recovery, you know, foods? And and I guess it's you just mentioned cherry juice. That's, that's the stuff we were having back as swimmers. There's, there's no difference, right? So it's like, they have the means and they have the access, but the, what's good is what's good, right? It doesn't change because you're the Dallas Cowboys necessarily. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Um, take me through that then. So what would, what would be ide a, an ideal pre-night 
game meal for you you know like so if the game is on sunday at one o'clock what what are you recommending they eat for on on the night before yeah. um we can start there and then i also want to talk about the post game yeah so i would i mean and i would take it another day back so I would, instead of saturday night i would even think about friday night uh mm-hmm. and, and saturday during the day um and again it's, it's as you just said it's it's nothing that different now if i was dealing with you know um divers for instance or something that is a, a much um much shorter duration type of a sport mm. uh, but when we go through three hours of, of football on a game day um and we have you know 55 to 65 plays uh of all-out effort uh mm. the physical sort of damage that's going to happen to their bodies during that time it requires a lot of carbohydrate and so again as as about every athlete has hopefully properly heard through much of their career carbohydrates fuel it's fuel for that high intense activity we get into very long duration type events and we can and do use a lot more fat for fuel but you get into that fifth gear for that last lap whatever that short end of a race might be you're going to use carbohydrate for fuel in that moment we're always at the end of the race because we're always working at three to six or eight seconds of effort at a time and so we're we're just doing a maximal sprint try and rest for a minute do another maximal sprint so the carbs are the important aspect and again I, i'll talk about guys doing that on a friday or saturday because in, in your instance if it is an early kickoff on a sunday they have a, a, a small appetite and i get that their their nerves are high even as 25 and 30 year olds playing professional sports their nerves are high so they don't want to eat a lot and so mm-hmm. preparing the day before is an important aspect for the day of the game not just the night before mm-hmm. um, and uh and so it, it it can be the rice it can be pasta it can be potatoes these these high starchy sort of sources of, of carbohydrate um that can be stored in their muscle mm-hmm. we want to have some protein as an aspect of that that helps the digestion that helps obviously the last bits of recovery that are important uh heading into uh, a performance um night before the vegetables the fruit those things are going to be helpful um uh, for fluids um again just for continue to provide that body with some of those polyphenols those antioxidants for recovery um heading into a game day we kind of cut out the the whole fruits and vegetables because the fiber again is takes longer to digest and so we don't need that sitting in their stomach um as we get closer um we dial back on fat um that are in the meals and so it's 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 focusing almost entirely on carbohydrate with some protein involved um and again the more we get closer to the games kind of the more liquid uh the fuel and the nutrition mm-hmm. becomes or the energy bars and chews can be things that happen just before we get into the into kickoff or at a halftime in those scenarios um but so much of it's going to be dependent upon what these guys have sort of trained their guts to do uh, your stomach is just another muscle that can be trained and so um it, it just depends it's very individualized along the way um but mm. you best. don't see a lot of guys eating during the game like what's going on there like i would think that they would be snacking on things but there's not a lot of that going on it looks like so when are they snacking is it generally just in the breaks or half time things like that yeah on the sidelines those sort of things the energy chews an energy bar kind of might be the the largest sort of substance but the chews are kind of um 
the main sort of source of fuel outside of a sports drink. What's um, the chews giving him? What is that? Carbohydrate, some electrolyte, but not much. It's very much just a carbohydrate kind of source. Um, and so, yeah, pregame, halftime, you know, the, the bananas, the orange slices, again, a lot of those sports foods, the Rice Krispie Treat isn't a terrible option at that point. Um, and so, again, some quickly digested carbohydrates. Um, you know, bananas, some people don't love them. Some people do. Uh, again, it's just one of those things that, that depends on what you're, what you're a fan of, what you've trained with. Yeah. Um, and then after the game's over, obviously, you know, they want to, they want to eat, you know, we used to say like, you know, they've got a window of 30 minutes. These guys are like showering, doing interviews, all sorts of things going on. So you, I imagine you have stuff in the locker room set up. What have you got there for them straight after the game? Yeah, immediately after the game, uh, Claire, my assistant, and I will, will make sure the guys have recovery shakes and cherry juice to help them uh, in that immediate kind of window. Uh, and then we'll do, um, as we're heading towards our, our buses, um, kind of a post-game snack. I won't call it exactly a meal, but kind of help further that recovery process. And, I mean, that could be anything from, um, from chicken or steak burritos to, um, I mean, pulled chicken sandwiches, different things that are kind of quick, something that sounds good to them. Um, again, we can have some fat in those meals. We do want to get some carbohydrate. Protein is, again, of utmost importance. They're going to have, um, you know, a good 48 hours, if not 72, before they're really um, expending great amount of energy again for us. Uh, and so carbohydrate, that refueling of carbs is is really important when you're gonna be coming back after it the next day, or especially if you're running a two-a-day kind of scenario where you might swim in the morning, swim in the afternoon. Um, that's where the carbohydrates are most important for recovery. But for us, we're done on a Sunday night. These guys aren't gonna be very active again until Wednesday midday. We'll have a you know flush out lift and, and or I mean flush out run lift those sort of things before then, but nothing um, entirely demanding. You got a lot of guys that have millions of dollars now, but they didn't they didn't start that way, right? Like this is this is a new thing for them. So a lot of them grew up, you know, pr probably very poor or middle class, you know, where they didn't have the the means and the access to what they may have now. So just the habits and maybe just even the tastes that they've formed. There's probably been a lot of fast food kind of getting away with just putting junk in. So like, how do you, how do you break that from them? People who are like, listen, man, I, I perform on McDonald's. Like it's my thing. Let me eat it. You know, that, that must be tough, right? There's no doubt there's challenges in it. And so, I mean, just like you see, I mean, again, I don't think this is anything different than, than college setting. Yeah. Um, you know, younger than that, it's maybe harder to say. Um, but when I have a, a vet, you know, it is often you're, you're hitting nail on the head. You have no doubt guys that have lived off of fast food and convenient types food for, for most of their life. And they've done very well with that. That's their palate. That's what they enjoy. And so, um, I guess one aspect of how we get things to change is the beauty of what we can offer at our dining facility. And, and um, it doesn't cost them, the players, anything. It's something that we provide for them. Mm. And so my sell to them often is try it. You don't like it, you don't have to eat it. But you just you just never know what you are going to enjoy. Um, 
Now, do they have access to do they have access to breakfast, lunch, and dinner if they wanted that? Um, technically, yes. The dinner is normally mostly our coaching staff. Um, by the time dinner rolls around, most of the players their days ended, and so they, they've gone on back home to their families and eat dinner with their families. That's again kind of a different aspect of, of here versus the college setting. Uh, breakfast and lunches here, and that is kind of when they'll get in the facility anywhere between six and seven thirty a.m. Um, with our first mm. meeting at 7.30. And so uh, they have access to eat meals here. And so I'm down here and, and helping kind of coach from the plate, so to speak, of knowing, knowing maybe what a body comp goal is, knowing how they're performing on the field. Even a coach might say, hey, Johnny's just having a, a hard time finishing practice. I can just talk to him about that, of how, you know, adding some oatmeal to your breakfast might help you with that. And so just... Um, just kind of coaching along the way and those aspects of it help uh, help change the behavior. But a lot of times it's the skill positions that genetically are the most gifted athletes that you have. They can jump the highest, they can run the fastest, they can do a lot of things. And so nutrition hasn't had to play a major role for them like an offensive or defensive lineman that's had to manage their weight in one direction or another sometimes. And they know how nutrition can do that. And so if I have a veteran wide receiver that is eating in certain way. He doesn't have to tell the guy, hey, do this because it's going to help you. That younger guy just sees it, just like our kids see us and, and mm. replicate a lot of things we do. These younger players are going to replicate what the what those veteran players are going to do. And so a lot of times it's trying to win over those older, older players. And that, again, kind of can come along because these guys want to stay here for the most part. They want to keep their career going. And so they eventually start trying to take on all the different aspects and behaviors that can help them do that. Yeah. I remember at Auburn, there was like a, a winner's dinner, I guess, you know, like you, you get the, the steak and the, and the lobster. Do you guys have a, a celebratory, you know, you beat, you beat the Packers or whatever it is. Like, are they, are they bringing out the lobsters? Well, hopefully we do that in a couple Sundays. You're right there. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, we'll have some celebratory food. We'll have occasional lobster roll, things of that nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Well, listen, tons more questions, but uh, you know, I work for any question and I've just brought you onto the platform and you're on there answering questions now. So I'm going to actually add a link to your page uh, from this, um, from this podcast that we're doing here. People can click on the link and come to there. I'm sure they've got a ton more questions for you in terms of nutrition and sports performance. I mean, obviously I've got a lot of swimmers that listen to this and you've, you've got some swimming background obviously working for the Dallas Cowboys now and, and in that professional setting. But um, look, you're, you're the best I know. Uh, you were amazing for us. You did, you, you, you educated me. Like you said, I'm a nutritionist now because I learned from you. So um, probably a lot of people with a lot of questions for you. So hit him up on any question. He's over there. We'll get this going. Hey, mate, I really appreciate your time. This has been, uh, it's been cool to catch up again. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Brett. Thanks, man. All right, Scott. Take care, man. Bye. Bye.